You know, Mark prayed that we would worship him, that we would count him as good, even if nothing good ever happened to us again. Is that really true? You think about it, if nothing good ever happened to you again, or what you think as being good, but you still worship a holy God. And that's really today what, what the sermon, what this part of this series, Pray Like Jesus, is all about. And today we're, we're in the Garden of Gethsemane, looking at the Gethsemane prayer and, and how Jesus prayed in the garden. You know, this, is, this portion of Scripture is, is one of the, the most exciting and, and discouraging parts of all of Scripture. When you go back in, into Matthew chapter 25 and, and in, in 26, where we're going to find ourselves today, and if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 26. You know, and Jesus is coming to the end of his earthly ministry. And, and so he's talking to his disciples about, about end times and, and reminding them that, that he's going to be dying. He's going to be leaving. He's going to be crucified. You know, there, there's the, the very um, intimate, passionate thing that happens when he's, he's at the house of Simon the leper and, and this woman comes with, with perfume and, and anoints his feet with this perfume, a very, very intimate moment when, when we see somebody worshiping Jesus the way that he deserves to be worshipped. And Jesus prays the, the prayer, uh, the high priestly prayer, which we'll look at next week. And, and you see a Jesus that is, that is very um, confident and, and trusting and, and really speaking truth and life into these disciples, encouraging them to be strong. And we experience the, 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 the Last Supper. This is the season when the disciples, when all the Jews are, are celebrating the Passover, uh, you know, the, the, the holiest of all of the, the Jewish celebrations. This is when they celebrate uh, freedom from Egypt. So Jesus has experienced the Last Supper with his disciples, and, and in that Last Supper, he tells them that one of them is going to betray him, actually that Judas would betray him as he celebrates this supper with them and, and they have the last supper and, and then they, they leave the upper room and they head to the Garden of Gethsemane. Off of, you know, Jerusalem is up here and the Garden of Gethsemane is, is in the Kidron Valley. And, and so they go out of the, the city of Jerusalem and they make their way down the hillside to the Garden of Gethsemane. And you know that Jesus went here often to pray because Judas knew where to go to find him. But we get to the Garden of Gethsemane and what struck me over the last couple weeks as I looked at this is 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 the, the vulnerability of Jesus in this moment where we see him probably more human in this moment than we see him at any other point of his earthly life. Remember, Jesus is, he is fully God, but he's also fully human. And, and we see his humanness here in this portion of Scripture. And if you would, in Matthew chapter 26, let's just read that together. Matthew chapter 26. 
It says, then Jesus went with his disciples in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Jesus took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he says he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. And says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. He said, could you not, could you not, could you not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but, but the body is weak. And then he went a second time and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them again. And he went and he prayed a third time saying the same thing. So here we see a Jesus that, that is saying, Lord, take this cup, talking about his crucifixion from me. Is there any other way? And yet, not my will, but your will be done. See, this was a moment when Jesus, when, when, when his father was going to answer his prayer differently and what he was requesting. And so, so what happens in those moments in our life when we pray and we seek God and we, we want to change and move his hand and yet he doesn't do it the way that, that we want it to happen? It feels like he's not answering our prayer. What do we do in those moments? And this morning I asked Stan uh, Amstis to come to share with us what that's like. When you pray and you seek God, and you say, Lord, heal me. Lord, cause me to walk again. And yet it doesn't seem like he answers our prayer. How do we respond in those moments? So Stan, if you would come and just share your thoughts on what it means to pray, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. As he said, I'm Stan Olmstead. Uh, I had an accident 10 years ago. I fell and broke my back and injured my spinal cord. My whole life changed in an instant. And uh, I didn't know what lies before me, but God was with me the whole way. And since my accident, I, I wrestled with the why me's and the why not. But God was faithful, and he's shown to me the, that he is a sovereign God, and he knows all things. I came to realize the true meaning of 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly, therefore, most gladly, I will ra rather boast in my infirmities than the power of Christ that rests 
upon me. But in, life, in life's difficulties, it's by the grace and it's for his glory that I, that I face each day and find the strength, Lord, to, to live each day. Another verse is Romans 8.18. 8, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Because of the hope within me, I try not to let my circumstances rob my joy that is within me. I owe so much to my wife and my family who stood by me through all these times. And as I look back, God has been so faithful in providing for me. I just want to give him all the honor and the praise time and time again. I think there's no way he shows me in a way I could never think or imagine. He goes above and beyond in everything. Another verse is Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? So looking back over the last 10 years, the answer to my prayers are sometimes no, but always for a greater yes. It's just better to be in his will for, than in, in my way, doing things my way. I'd just like to thank everyone who's been an encouragement to me here at Fairlawn. There are so many, there are too many to name and I would not want to let someone out. What a privilege and a part, to be a part and a blessing of Fairlawn. And I like, there's a couple of verses, it's always been my favorite verses, even before I had my accident. I'd like to read them to you now. It's Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He gives power to the weak, and those who have no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall, shall fall and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. And here's my favorite part. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thanks, Stan. You know, there's never a time when I leave Stan's presence um, after talking to him that I am not that I am not encouraged and lifted up. But let me ask you, in Stan's situation, you know, if if that were you, Lord, heal my back, and yet not my will, but but Your will be done. Lord, change my situation. Yet not my will be done, but yours. And that's what Jesus was praying here in the garden when he fell on his face before his father. Change my situation. You see, the garden, it was a place of suffering. And sometimes we go to that place of suffering. You know, for Jesus, the garden was a place that was very lonely it was a place where he was feeling betrayed and abandoned, a place where he was facing death, knowing that he was going to suffer 
knowing that he was going to be separated from his heavenly father. This was a dark, dark place for Jesus. This, I believe, was the most painful moment of his life. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. cross was on the horizon, and he knew that, that soon he would be put to death, soon that the wrath of, of God would be poured out on him. So what did Jesus do in this moment of darkness? He doesn't doubt God. He doesn't deny his father. He doesn't disrespect his father. He doesn't say, why me? Jesus, it says, he just prays. Jesus prays. Jesus is God. He is is God in the flesh, and yet Jesus has to pray. And he asks others to pray with him. You know, although they weren't very faithful in their prayer, he wanted them with him. He walked through this with them. He wanted them to walk with him. And in times of sorrow, that's what we need to do. We need to look at how Jesus handled this this dark time in his life. And we need to be like Jesus. So when I face that time, when I am lonely and when I am hurting, how do I handle it? How do I handle the dark times in my life? Well, I need to talk to the Father. I need to be praying. And I need to get people around me to be praying. You see, we're not created to walk this Christian life alone. We're created to walk it with others, with each other. And so when we're in those dark times, we need to be communicating and talking to the Father. We need to be praying, and we need to be getting people around us that are praying. You can't do it by yourself. And and one of Satan's greatest um, tricks on us is, is he isolates us. And he tries to get us off on our own because he knows, like a wolf knows, when he gets a sheep off by itself, he can take it down. And when he gets you off by yourself, when you're, you're feeling sorry and you're discouraged and depressed and you're all alone, is at the moment of your greatest vulnerability. And so you need to surround yourself with godly people that will pray with you. That's what Jesus did. And this is the darkest moment of his life. You know, it says in in Luke that it says he was in agony in Luke 22. In fact, it says he was in so much agony that, that he sweat drops of blood. Jesus knew that his hour had come. What hour am I talking about? Well, if you turn to John chapter 12... Verse 27, Jesus predicted this. He knew this was coming. In John chapter 12, verse 27, he says, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Again, talking about his coming crucifixion. 
He says, no, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Although Jesus knew this was going to be the, the hardest moment of his life, he knew that this moment was for him to glorify his Father. And when we go through those hard times in life, when it feels like, like God's our prayers aren't being answered, we can glorify our Father even through the hard times. That's why he, that's why he allows us to go through those times so that he can be glorified even in our weakness. Because when we are weak, the Bible says, then we are strong. Jesus had told his, his disciples on several occasions leading up to this moment that he was going to face death. He knew it was coming, and yet it was still hard. And yet he, he still suffered in these moments in the Garden of Gethsemane. You see, Jesus here in the Garden of Gethsemane, he endured intense sorrow. So much sorrow that, that, he, bled, that he sweated drops of blood. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you're feeling that sorrow. You're feeling pain. You're discouraged. You're wanting your situation to change. Jesus here, he three times asks the Father to take the cup away. Or take this cup away from me. The cup was the wrath that he was going to experience for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is very sorrowful in this moment because of his situation, because of what he's going through, because of what he's going to experience. Not only did he experience sorrow, it, Jesus encountered solemn loneliness this was the most alone time that he ever felt in his whole life. Everybody was going to abandon him. And you know what? Some of you are sitting here this morning and you're feeling lonely. You don't think anybody understands how you feel. Nobody's coming to your rescue. Nobody cares about the pain that you're feeling. Jesus knows how that feels. Because he was completely abandoned. Maybe you feel like you've been abandoned by a friend, by a spouse, by a child, by a parent. You're feeling lonely. You know, we need to do what Jesus did. We need to go to the Father. Take our sorrow, take our loneliness to him. Because so often we, we pretend that everything is good. We pretend that life is easy and, and things are well. Life is good. Because what would people think if they knew what I was experiencing? What would they think if they knew how lonely I am or how much I'm hurting or, or, or the things that I'm involved in? What would they say? We need to quit pretending that everything is okay when everything isn't okay. I know there's, there's a lot of, of preaching out there today or some preaching that, that says that if you're faithful, you will be wealthy and you will be healthy and you will have everything that God wants you to have and more. Just, just believe. Let's look at the life of Jesus. Jesus suffered. Jesus wasn't wealthy. 
Jesus was completely faithful, and yet he experienced sorrow. He experienced pain. He experienced discouragement, and yet he was faithful. He stayed connected to the Father because he knew that this moment was for him to glorify, to hallow the name of his Father. And it's the hard things that we go through in life when we're faithful that cause our Heavenly Father to be hallowed to be made famous. But Jesus knew how hard this was going to be. You know, Jesus knew that he was going to be separated from his father. And Jesus says, is there any other way, father? Father, if, 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 if your wrath can be taken away from me, if my relationship with you can continue uninterrupted, is there any other way? Can we get around this? Yet he says, but not my will be done. See, if there's no other way, then I want more than anything else. I want to hallow your name. I want you to be glorified. Because that's why we have been created to glorify our Heavenly Father. So the Garden of Gethsemane was a place of suffering for our Savior, but it was also a place of strength because Jesus submitted himself completely to his Father. You see, it is in our moments of, of suffering and weakness in the greatest moments of suffering and weakness that we, can, that we can receive the greatest amount of strength as well and have the greatest impact. But we have to be willing to pray what Jesus prayed, not my will, not my will. Are you willing to go there with God and say, Lord, whatever you want for my life, if I will glorify you through a sickness, I will submit to your will. Are you willing to go there with God, saying, not, not my will, but yours? You see, so often we get these roles reversed where, where we think we're God and we tell him what to do. We tell him how he needs to be working and what he needs to be doing and giving us in our lives. And it's, Lord, I need my will to be done. Because I don't necessarily like your will because your will makes me uncomfortable. Your will stretches me. Your will messes with my will for me. And back in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus said in verse 42, he says, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. You know, when you think of another garden in another time, at the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, you know, they didn't say, your will be done. They were like, my will be done. And when they did their own will, when they said, my will be done, 
It opened the floodgate of sin to come into the world. And it turned man out away from paradise with their heavenly Father. But when Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done, it renewed the possibility for us to have that relationship with our heavenly Father. Are you willing to go there with your Father? In the garden, he also, Jesus enjoyed a special comfort. Even in the midst of his sorrow and his suffering and his pain, when he submitted his will to the Father, it says in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 22, verse 43, it says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. So even in the midst of his sorrow and his grief, as he prayed to the Father, there was an angel sent to minister to him. So the garden was a place of comfort. And that's what God will do when we come to him in our moments of weakness he comforts us. He doesn't always give us what we want. You know, the, and, and uh, Stan mentioned this verse. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul, who was a very faithful man, says that in chapter 12, verse 8 of 2 Corinthians, says, three times I, pled, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He had this thorn in the side. We're not sure what it is, but, but he had a thorn in the side. It says, three times I prayed that, that the Lord would take it away. But the Lord's answer to him was, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. See, it is in the moments of our greatest weakness that we have sometimes the most impact. And I would venture to say that, that Stan Amstutz has more impact in the situation he is in today that he, he may have ever had would he still be walking today. You see, I see a Stan, I see a man that is positive, that, that loves people, loves life, loves his Savior, and is always encouraging when you're around him. I didn't know Stan before his accident, but God has obviously a plan in his weakness to make him strong, to use him. And then Paul goes on in verse 10, he says, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, in our weakness, when we turn to the Father, when we give our problems, when we give our weaknesses to him, he will make us strong. He will make us strong. And it was in this garden of suffering that, that Jesus experienced renewed resolve. Because as if you notice, you know, he, he was in the garden. He says, Lord, take this away from me. Lord, I don't want to go through this. Is there any other way? And as he wrestles with the Father, as he gives up his will for the will of his Father, check this out. 
In Matthew 26, verse 45 and 46, it says, Then he returned to his disciples, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Then he says, Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. You see the difference from, Lord, take this cup away from me. Lord, is there any other way to saying, rise, let us go. The captor, the betrayer has come. I am ready to face whatever you have for me. And from this moment on, you see a Savior, you see a Jesus that is strong, that is confident, and that is, is completely okay with the cup that his Father has given him. You never see him complaining again. You never see him doing anything except what the Father wanted for him to do. He takes the cross. He takes the beatings. He takes the punishment with great strength. And we can learn so much from Jesus when we are in our garden of Gethsemane, when we are in those times of weakness, those times of suffering and weakness can be turned into times of strength, but it takes fervent, persistent prayer. Prayer that that submits itself to the will of God because prayer is the thing that gives us the strength to endure, that allows us to submit ourselves to the will of our Father. It is prayer that gives us, enables us to face the cup of life that is given to us. There are times when all of us must enter the Garden of Gethsemane. We will all have our Gethsemane moment. Times of distress and sorrow and loneliness. But when we give it to our Heavenly Father, we will have the same comfort, encouragement, and strength where we can say, Rise up. I will do the will of my Father. And, and, and my encouragement to us this morning is, is to, in our weaknesses, in our times of discouragement, to, to not feel sorry for ourselves, you know, to, to not blame the world and to get angry at God, but go to him and give him our problems and submit to his will. Because his will and his plan for our life is the greatest thing that we can ever follow. Is it always the safest or the easiest? No, but it is the absolute best because through that, I will glorify my Father. I will hallow his name. I will make him famous. And my encouragement to you this morning, when you go to Gethsemane, allow yourself to pray that his will would be done and not my will. When we pray, sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, sometimes God says late. But his answer is always the best thing for me and the best way that he will be honored and glorified. Are you willing to go there with him?
That's the question at all. Are you willing to go there with him? Now, this week, one of the challenges in your uh, prayer guide is to take a week to fast. You know, take five days to fast and to seek the will of the Father. Now, in that, you can, you can do one day. You know, you can fast one day, one meal a week. But I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to take four or five days to fast. Now, I know there are other ways to fast, like media and, and coke and, and all those things. But, but food is the hardest thing, the thing that controls us more than anything else that I want to challenge you to take a few days back and to seek God's will for your life. And it will be a challenge. But there's a thing, there's a, uh, a website that you can go to that, that, that tells you how to enter a fast, how to come off fast. But I want to challenge you. You know, we don't often challenge you to fast, but if you are, if you are physically able, I want to challenge you to take one, two, three, four, or five days to fast and to take those times over your meals just to pray and seek the Father. Father, we thank you for the example that our Savior Jesus set in the garden. Lord, that in his moment of weakness, in his moment of, of, of wrestling, that he submitted himself to your will. Lord, may May that be our example, and, and may we trust, trust you for your will to be done in our lives. May you be glorified in our lives. Lord, in our moments of weakness, may you be glorified. In our moments of strength, may you be glorified. Father, I know this morning I pray for, or there, are, there are people here this morning that are feeling lonely, and discouraged. I pray that you would meet them, you would minister to them, but they would, they would allow you in their weakness. For people that are discouraged about their health, wondering what you're up to and why you won't heal. Father, may they submit themselves to your will and allow you to be glorified even through their will. May we, with great resolve, seek to follow, submit the plans and the purposes that you have for each one of us. It is in the name of our Savior Jesus that I pray.